Welcome. You are listening to the Learning to Believe Again podcast with your host, Brittany Bexton. Where do you begin when you're learning to believe again? Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I have Jessica Unger on with me today. Welcome, Jessica. Hey there. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. Would you tell the audience just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I, we live, my family and I, so my husband and I, we live in New Hampshire and we have four kiddos and um, currently stay at home. Um, I also write, um, I have a blog called Armor the Home and I launched that last summer and that's been fun and just really cool seeing what the Lord's doing with that. That's awesome. I love that. Armor the Home. What a great name. Yeah, it's totally Holy Spirit led and um, just been on a journey of um, just trusting him with everything. And um, just it really involves families and just armoring your home. Yeah, that's awesome. So Jessica and I met through an online mentorship and the prophetic So she's a strong believer, but I know that she has a very interesting story to share. So I just kind of want to go way back. I know you're a strong believer now, but did you have a foundation of faith growing up? Did you go to church as a kid? Did your parents take you? So I grew up Catholic. You know, my mom, she's full Korean and um, my dad, who is Italian, you know, a lot of people ask me, do Koreans, are they Catholic? You know, but she was, she's very strong Catholic. So I grew up Catholic, very, very strict home. And yeah, we went to church every Sunday, you know, we went to CCD, we went to all the the church events. Um, You know, I was very involved in church as the altar girl, went through all the, you know, communion, confirmation classes. So yes, we were definitely in the church, grew up Catholic. But Catholicism is so different, obviously, than the charismatic movement that you're oh, yes. walking in now. So that that had to have been a very, very different experience growing up. Yes. I mean, I didn't, um, you know, I gave, I didn't give my life to Jesus until um, it was after college. I was 23 years old. But yeah, I grew up Catholic, very strict home. And then it wasn't until college when I kind of realized how lost I was and just, just rebelled, you know, basically home life was not as, you know, we were that church family, but because of home life, you know, grew up in a very physical and abusive, um, verbally abusive home. And so a lot of times people thought, oh yeah, that's the church going family, but you know, the rest of the week we were not. And so it wasn't until college where I, because I was so lost, um, just, got into a lot of things that I shouldn't have gone into. And so it was, I was really searching for Jesus. Um, I mean, I remember even going to our um, Catholic priests who had asked, you know, we have, um, what was it called? I'm trying to think where you go to confession mm-hmm. and they would ask you, you know, what are your sins? And I remember saying like, is it okay that I feel this way where I just feel very lost and I'm out, you know, doing these things that, 
every single weekend, you know, drinking and partying. And he just said, well, you're just a college student, you know, it's totally normal. But I just remember feeling so lost and just broken. Yeah. And didn't really understand who God was because I just knew the idea of who he was because of just growing up Catholic. Yeah. It's very different. Very different. So growing up Catholic, obviously they don't talk about the Holy Spirit gifts or hearing from God personally because it's all focused on the priest, but you're prophetic. So when did that start coming for you? Was it after you gave your life to Jesus or did you experience stuff like that with God before that? Um, so I would say before, even though I didn't know what it was, um, cause even in the Catholic church, they don't talk about those things, but I will say, um, I do remember, you know, I, I do believe that my mom, you know, she would talk about dreams and she would talk about, um, angels and not like in the weird way, but I was very drawn to that as a little girl, because I remember even, we went to a, a service. Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably in middle school, I would have to say. Um, and I remember they, this was a service that was, t- that was actually like an hour from where we normally um, would go to church. And this guy that came to visit, he wasn't a priest. And I don't remember what this, if what the ministry was, but they had talked about miracles. And I remember at the end, he was praying for people and they would, you know, fall out. And I'm like, what are they doing? And at one point he had said something that I I just remember just as a little girl being so like, you know, I want this, but didn't understand it. And so he would, he would ask the question of like, can anybody smell anything, you know, and all of a sudden, like maybe a couple seconds later, I all of a sudden smelled roses and during the service. And I'm like, looking around at everyone thinking, okay, everyone's probably smelling this smell. And my mom, you know, I asked her cause she was right next to me. I was like, can you smell this smell? And she's like, no, like everyone around me, my brother, nobody could smell it. And so I'm looking under the pews thinking like, there's gotta be a candle or a spray or something, but there wasn't. And so he had said that sometimes you can smell things from heaven and just was like, I was very blown away. So I was very little and I was like, wow, I can smell this. And so he asked people who were in the congregation, whoever could smell something to raise their hand. It was me. And then literally this old woman in the very front of the church who raised her (laughs) hands. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And I've only been able to smell this twice. So I think I was always, again, drawn to it, but it wasn't until really um, just dabbing into the new age things that um, after that season, that's kind of when I grew the most and prophetically after I had, you know, basically repented of the new age stuff. And, you know, the Lord had me on a journey growing in the prophetic. Yeah. So you said that when you were in college, you felt really lost and you were searching for Jesus. I know you got into new age. Was that around the same time or was it after that? It was after was it after you gave your life to Jesus that you got into the new age stuff? Yeah. So I was already, I was a new Christian. Yeah. I think part of it was after I gave my life to Jesus, being so new to the faith, um, we had moved, my husband and I, we had moved and we were attending his old church. And um, this church was, it's a, it's a small 
Baptist church. And, you know, it, it was a great church being able to learn and grow in the word because, um, you know, Catholics, they do not read the Bible. And so for me, this was something new. I was plugged into Bible studies. I was able to just really um, learn the word. So it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful church for that, but I could still tell there was a lot of, um, you know, now looking back, there was just a lot of religious things about it that um, they didn't talk about. And because of after, after I got married, I think that's kind of where, even though I had given my life to Jesus and I knew that I was at peace with a lot of things, I feel like a lot of stuff from my childhood actually was coming to surface. And so mm-hmm. I was still looking for peace, even though I knew the author of peace. And yeah. so nobody really talked about um, healing. And I remember talking to my husband saying, you know, maybe I need to see a therapist because I feel like some of this stuff from childhood, it's like creeping back up, almost again, wanting me to rebel. Because at the time, you know, being a new Christian, um, I still was like half in the world, half mm-hmm. in and half out. And so nobody really came alongside me to teach me. And so I was living mostly for the world. If I look back, I was still living in the world, even though I had given my life to Jesus. And that was kind of the beginning because of my just not feeling at peace. And I think the community that we were around in the the town that we lived in, um, there was a lot of new age groupies. There was a lot of people who, even Christians that were um, into the new age. And so I remember just being very attracted to it because they had offered healing. And um, that was kind of the beginning stages of when I was introduced to the new age. Okay. So it was right after college and after you had given your life. So you got pulled into the new age a bit what exactly drew you in and what what did you dabble in when you were dealing with it so there was a there was a yoga studio um downtown and i remember wanting to get back into shape and this yoga studio i had known one of the girls and she had recommended this place so i remember going in and they offered a lot of classic a lot of classes, um, just holistic things as far as like um, meditation, um, yoga, they had massage, and they also had other new age things. And so I remember going to the studio for just yoga at first. And um, this was very new age because she would talk about the chakras and um, just the different meditations and the chants. So going to these classes, I felt very, it was so peaceful. I just remember being like, this is great for your body. I can relax. I can stretch, but also feel such peace. So that was really the beginning part of just starting with yoga and then getting to know the instructors, talking with them, you know, being able to trust them. One of the ladies who attended the yoga was a Reiki master And she was a Christian, you know, she had shared that she was a Christian and that they were going to do this wellness. It was kind of like a wellness workshop during a weekend. And what's crazy is, you know, during this time where I was looking for peace, I was also going to see a acupuncturist who 
was as well a pastor. He was a pastor, but he was very, um, I mean, he consulted with shamans and all these. And at the time I'm like, I don't even know what a shaman is. Maybe it's a priest. I don't even remember. I was so (laughs) deceived, but I went to go see him as well because I was having a lot of health issues. Um, During that time, I was not getting a period, a menstrual cycle for over a year my husband and I were wanting to start a family. And so again, I was trying all these natural remedies of just trying to heal my body from the inside out versus going somewhere else. And so they had recommended acupuncture, this yoga studio. So I started seeing this acupuncturist who's very much into new age as well. And he would talk about the chakras. He would open me up to the spirits, um, things like that. And so I was going to see him And it wasn't until this wellness workshop, which they talked about like eating well and nurturing your body. So I was able to attend that. And the Reiki master who was leading this workshop said, you know, I'm going to be able to offer a free Reiki session to all of you who attended for free, just as a complimentary. And I remember being like, what is Reiki? What, what is this? And so she explained it, that it was just a natural healing therapy and that, you know, basically like a massage, but there's no touching and it's just energy work. So any blockages and a lot of times trauma can come up and it's just a way to feel more peaceful. So at the time I'm like, okay, sign me up. You know, this sounds great. And didn't really think about it. I remember coming home and talking to Ken, my husband, and just, you know, telling him about it. And None of us, I mean, we never really researched it because I felt like I was, I could trust her because she was a Christian. And, um, you know, she said that Jesus healed in the Bible and it's the same thing. I remember her telling me this. And so I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. not really reading the word and understanding exactly, you know, what I was reading in the Bible. But yeah, so I, I dabbled in it. I went to my first Reiki session and I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was effective. It was very healing. I remember during the session crying and I asked her why I was crying. And she said, well, sometimes trauma can come up and you're just releasing what's stored in your body. And certain areas would, I would feel so hot in certain areas. And she said, that's the healing coming through. So it was very effective and it did work. So I just really was, um, hopeful that this was the answer for just healing my body and just trauma and um, just being more at peace. So I kept going. And then she had known that I was going back for my master's. At the time I was um, getting my master's in social work because my goal was to always be a a counselor or a therapist. And so Mm -hmm. she had asked me, do you see yourself being, you know, doing Reiki plus counseling because she just shared with me I think that that would be amazing for you to do together and you know I never had thought of it but I I remember talking to my husband and saying you know maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing because I'm such a helper and this is what I really wanted to do but I talked about it I prayed about it and I just felt like that was what I was supposed to do so she was offering Reiki um, training Basically, to get certified as a Reiki master, you have to go through each training. There's three trainings in order to be the Reiki master, which is basically like a trainer. Yeah. So 
So I signed up to be Reiki one. The first level was where I started. And again, very deceived. Um, They didn't really talk about what happens during, you know, I think that's where a lot of people can be confused because there's a lot of um, things that happen during the class where they, uh, they do lay your hand, they do lay their hands on you and then they actually impart things to you. Uh, And again, I thought this was normal. uh, And because of just what it could offer, I was like, I trust her. This is good. So I became Reiki one certified with plans of becoming a Reiki master. And in order to become a Reiki master, you have to go through each level and get your hours in. And so the yoga studio that I was actually at, they had shared with me because I was now friends with them. They said, you know, we have, we have a spot for you. Mm-hmm. If you want to use this studio and offer Reiki to the clients, to maybe colleagues, family, friends, whoever, to get your hours in, we will have a place here for you to do that. So you could finish to one day, maybe open up here. So that's what I did. I I began to um, get my hours in that way. Um, So they offered me a place and was able to practice there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because some of what you were saying, I also have done Reiki in the past, like not practiced it myself, but received it. Mm -hmm. And I also did not know that, you know, it was anything other than, okay, the people that did it on me also said they were Christians, you know, and I know in the Bible, it talks about laying on of hands and healing. And I know that I sense and feel things. So I just thought, well, it's just like, God's energy through us, like God's, you know, love. Yes. But the interesting thing about, you know, God's healing versus the new age stuff is that there is always a counterfeit of the real thing. Yeah. And the counterfeits still pretend to be the real thing. Usually they rarely say, you know, we're false gods or, you know, we're, we're working with demons. They they're like, Oh no, it's God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. it's very hidden. Yes. So if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's what she told me. She said, this is God's healing energy and his power. And that's really what sold me on this idea of doing this because I really wanted to be used by God. And it wasn't until the red flags just started appearing, you know, and when I would practice on people, they would, you know, I would be at their head and they would feel my hands on their back or they would feel heat on their back. And I just remember these little things would happen, but I would dismiss it thinking, okay, I don't know what they're talking about, but it happened several times to the point that I'm like, I feel like something is with me. And they would always say that in Reiki, you have these um, spirit guides. So in my mind, I thought they were like angels, you know, helping you. But there was one, you know, instance where I was with working on a friend, you know, doing the Reiki and several times during the session, she kept saying, I I literally feel your hands on my back. And I was on a different part of her body. And so I'm like, something is not right. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until... 
you know, this, this is the part where my story really changes because when, you know, there'd be nights. So at the time my husband worked third shift. So he normally would be working while I was sleeping, but the night that this happened, he actually was home. And I remember us getting ready for bed. He was downstairs. I was getting, you know, brushing my teeth and then um, I was getting ready to turn off the lights. And as soon as I turned off the lights, I saw this black figure silhouette, like in the corner of our bedroom. And I remember I just screamed Mm. like the top of my lungs. And my husband came up running and was like, what is wrong? What is wrong? And I just remember shaking and I'm like, I saw something, something's in our room. And he's like, are you sure? Cause I'm not, if you know me, I am not the type that ever got scared. He was always, you know, gone when I'd be sleeping. I was never scared. And I, he literally had to hold me to fall asleep. And so that happened. And I remember thinking something's not right. I don't know what's going on. I remember praying to God and being like, what is going on here? And it happened again. Um, a few weeks later, same thing happened. He happened to be home, thankfully. But this time when it happened, when I shut off the lights, um, you know, it wasn't me. I know it was the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You know, as soon as I shut off the lights, I said, in the name of Jesus, go to this Mm -hmm. demon we know now. And it left, it left the room. And I was just, I was just so confused. Like what, what's going on? There's ghosts or something following me. So really these things happened, but I was still confused. I was still not sure. It wasn't until a friend of mine, thank goodness for good friends that speak love and knowing that it could cost a friendship. But I remember telling her everything that was happening in my life. And I was really excited for where God was taking me with, the Reiki and just counseling. And I remember her being really quiet on the phone, not saying a whole lot. And then she, you know, we got off the phone and then she had emailed me the next day. And it was during the day when I got this email and she just had emailed me saying, you know, Hey, I love you. And because I love you, I know I have to say this and it could cost our friendship, but I know that this is also your life on the line. And so she shared with me that what she thought I was doing was very demonic. And she said, I need you to watch this video. And so she sent me a link. It was on a YouTube and it basically exposed what Reiki was. It was a guy who used to be a Reiki master and he broke down exactly what Reiki was. And it just was the truth of how demonic it was. And I just remember watching this video And I just wept and I just was like, God, what did I do? And literally at that time, I got on my hands and my knees and I just faced to the ground and I said, take it away. Take this Reiki off of me. I don't want it. I repent of it and I just take it off of me. And in that moment, I literally felt something like come off of me. Hmm. And I'm like, this is creepy. Like this is stuff like in the movies. And so um, I had shared with Ken what had happened and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. But then um, the next day I ended up getting my period after a year of not getting it. And I just knew it was a miracle. I knew that that was confirming to me 
this is your miracle. This is you choosing not to to walk in this path. And he healed me naturally, just like that after so much of me wanting to heal myself. And he did it second. So after that happened, I, again, was crying and weeping. And I just knew that I had to go back to that studio, hand them the keys and say, I can't do this anymore. They mocked me. They said I was making such a mistake. Even the acupuncturist who I was, you know, I was really close with these people thinking they would be supportive. Yeah. They really just were just laughing. Like what? I don't, I don't think so. No, you made a big mistake. That's not true. Um, made me think I was crazy. And I just knew I was like, I can't continue. Like I just can't. So it was, it, it changed everything. For me, and that was the day I walked away from from it all, knowing that I had to. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, isn't it wild how hidden it is? Really? Yes. That you yep. could be in it and still think that it's a god thing, you know, mm-hmm. only to find out that it's not. It's like this counterfeit posing as God. And it's interesting because I actually had someone on my podcast a, a number of months ago who is a Christian and she's prophetic and she does prophetic healing. Like she's a massage therapist. Wow. And she'll let the Holy spirit guide her in healing. And just hearing her talk about it. I'm like, this is what Reiki is counterfeiting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Reiki, I mean, I love that. I love that because um, that's, God's kingdom side. But yeah, Reiki is everywhere. And that's one thing, even back when I was involved almost nine years ago, it was, it was very, um, not a lot of people talked about Reiki. Now I feel like everybody knows, I mean, not everybody, but it's very much in the hospitals. It's at nursing homes. It's in massage salons. They're training Mm -hmm. their, their people to be trained in this. And so it's, it's very popular. Um, and it's very, a lot of people are seeking for it. So yeah. in the time, nobody really knew what Reiki was. Now it's like a pull more towards that. And just, so I love what that your friend who was on, um, that she's doing it the way that it should be. Yeah. Um, that. Well, and you know, it's interesting. Cause like you said, you thought it was God. You thought it was God's healing energy the people who performed it on me the first time it was a massage therapist and she's a Christian, you know, Mm -hmm. again, she thinks the same way that you did, I'm sure. And, you know, she is a sweet, wonderful person. And it made sense to me because, you know, when I think of God, like I think of his light and I know like there are times that I'll feel heat or something in my hands and I'll know that God's healing touches in my hands, you know, and I can see almost like that white light. So some of the things that she described, I'm like, oh yeah, that's like what God shows me, you know? So it made sense to me that it'd be a God thing. It's really amazing. Like how easy it is to counterfeit the real deal. You know, it's like, it says in the Bible that the devil will come dressed as an angel of light. Yep. Yep. Yeah. To try to deceive us. So Yeah. So anyway, you had that experience. You got out of it completely. One, you had a healing miracle right away as soon as you repented and had God take it off of you. Yes. So what else happened around that? Were there any big major shifts with that? Um, I also, so 
again, I um, was going to a Baptist church, so they didn't talk about any of this. And that was the other hard thing was I didn't know anybody. But yes, um, (laughs) I would say maybe a week or two after this happened, I remember just being in my room praying and just worshiping the Lord. And now I know that's when I got my prayer language. Um, at the time, I'm like, what is this, Lord? Because nobody, <laughs> nobody talked about, nobody around me talked about speaking in yeah. tongues. And I literally was like, is this the devil? Like, what is this? And I, I had no idea. And I'm like, I was just worshiping the Lord. So um, I had reached out to a friend, the one actually who told me, you need to be careful. Thank goodness, yeah. her, seriously. But I remember telling her about this. And she goes, yeah, you you were praying in tongues. And I'm like, what? That's real. (laughs) And so um, that had happened. So I know that the Holy Spirit, I was filled, baptized and just, yeah, just was on this journey. And so literally that's when the prophetic started. And then slowly, um, I would say maybe what's so cool is that even though I was around this community God knew that I needed new community. And so at that time, my husband's job um, transferred him to then move, um, move us. And we had moved to um, a different state. We actually moved to Chicago, um, Illinois, and we were only there for a short period of time. But I just remember being like, Lord, if this is real, like speaking in tongues and like, I need to know the truth. Like, this is what the Bible says, but I, I don't know anybody that that does this. And so I thought I was by myself in all of it. And I will say too, before I get too far ahead, that before we had left Indiana, I remember the Lord telling me, you have to share with the acupuncturist and the Reiki master what happened. Um, Because I only at the time told the women at the studio what had happened. They knew I left. And so I was so nervous because I'm like, you know, this could really strain some things, but I knew that I had to tell them the truth. And so I did share with both of them what had happened and that I knew God was behind it and that they needed to look into it themselves. And they were really appreciative, but at the same time, like, it's kind of saying like, you're wrong, but thank you anyway. And I knew I had to close that season doing that before we had moved. And so that was really when the Lord had us on a journey, because then when we after we moved from Chicago to we were only there for like six months and then we moved to Buffalo, New York. And then the Lord surrounded me with uh, just this prophetic company of people. And that's really when I started growing. I was a part of this group called the Lioness Leaders and women from all different backgrounds. And they just, we I was really poured into in that season. I was just so thankful from where I was in one community to then being now poured into this yeah. prophetic community and just feeling like I was normal, you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't have that back home. So, yeah. That's awesome. I love that. What was the name again? Lioness. Lioness Leaders. <laughs> just such a yeah. great name. Yeah, it was totally the Lord because I had gotten off social media because the Lord had said to and met um, one of the girls that was um, she was the founder. And I met her through another friend and she just was like, you need to be a part of this group, because at the time that was when the Lord was starting to give me dreams. And this was these were dreams of our children. And 
again, learning, I'm like, is this normal? Like, yes, it is. You know, it's very normal. And so um, she said, oh, yeah, you are you you need to be a part of this group. We talk about yeah. dreams, we talk about all the things. And so I, I grew so much in that time. And I'm so thankful for, for that group because um, they poured into me. That's awesome. Yeah. When you say that you had dreams about your children, do you mean that you had dreams about them coming, but you had not had children yet? So I want to say, so with our oldest, Janessa, she, I, so I was, I, I found out I was pregnant and I had a dream with her of me holding a baby girl Mm -hmm. and I would see pink in my dream everywhere. And I just knew that when I woke up, I was like, we're having a girl. Yeah. And um, I remember sharing with my husband, I, I believe God gave me a dream telling us what our baby is, the gender. And he said, what did you see? And I told him, I was like, it's going to be a girl. And he, of course, was like, no, it's going to be a boy. Like, I don't know about that. <laughs> and I was like, OK, you wait and see. But I really knew God was showing me. Yeah. Yeah. When we had a gender reveal party, of course, you know, we popped the balloon and pink confetti went everywhere. Um, And he did that with each child. Uh, As soon as I either found out I was pregnant or before, shortly, maybe before I was pregnant, I would have a dream of our child knowing the gender. And my husband always thought that was crazy, except for our fourth. Um, We did not know because Ken really wanted to for it to be a surprise. So I felt like mm-hmm. God wanted to honor that. I'm like, maybe God will give me a dream and then I will know, but I did it. <laughs> so yeah. Isn't it funny how God will honor things like that? Like, okay, you don't want to know. I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to know, but my husband was like, <laughs> I want to keep it a surprise. But yeah, God was so good in that. I just, I was not, not sharing. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that though. So you really grew in Buffalo. in the prophetic company there. After that experience too, where you repented and gave your, well, you didn't, you had already given your life to Jesus, but you just repented and gave those parts back to Jesus and asked him to take the other from you. Did you ever experience any demonic backlash or anything after that? Or, or did that pretty much get rid of it? Cause you said you felt something lift off of you. Yeah, I definitely, I had felt something lift off of me, but that was also at that time, I didn't know what inner healing or deliverance was either. Mm -hmm. And once when I found out, because there, I was still struggling with um, just trauma. So even though the Reiki stuff had lifted off of me, life went back to normal, but I was growing and learning. But a lot of the things that I was struggling with in the beginning kind of was resurfacing as far as just uh, my childhood and just, I had a lot of anger and, you know, I learned what the inner healing and deliverance was and um, remember thinking, this is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. This might be one of the solutions. And so I would say because of the things that were trying to creep back up, I was able to then basically learn more about the, the deliverance part of it. Um, And then once when I had gone through inner healing deliverance, I would say that's kind of when things basically came, a lot of the stuff from my childhood came, came up and have had freedom over. That's amazing. 
So you went through this inner healing and deliverance. How was that? Because you said that you didn't really have a scope of it before then. What was that experience like going through that? So, you know, the crazy thing is when I went through inner healing deliverance, this was before, you know, social media where deliverance is offered everywhere. So again, my friend, um, her name's Cassie. And so she's the one who shared with me about inner healing deliverance and the ministry that she knew of at the time was in Texas. So my husband and I got on a plane and we flew to Texas for this conference. I don't, it wasn't even a con. It was more like a, a retreat for inner healing deliverance for people. So we had gone to this um, inner healing deliverance church retreat and didn't know anybody, but because my friend, you know, she had shared, she knew the pastor and the people that were running it. So they knew we were coming. So it was very different because it was more on a corporate level. And um, it was good because my husband was also introduced to inner healing deliverance too. And he was able to go through it with me. Yeah. And I was, I was pregnant at the time with our first daughter. And so I I wanted to make sure that everything with even new age, um, you know, cause I had opened up my third eye, you know, all the things that yeah. we do in new age. And so I wanted to make sure I had gotten rid of all that stuff and they had really taken their time because we had corporate deliverance, but then they went into individual deliverance um, and they were able to, I was able to repent of all that. And that was my first experience and it was very powerful. Um, And I just remember feeling lighter and just Mm -hmm. free from some things that I was struggling with for so long and just like anger and Um, I knew that was a generational thing and they had, you know, a lot of the things was so new to me. And so I was still processing a lot, but it was beautiful because it was in a corporate setting and then being able to experience it with my husband and then being able to go home and being like, what was that? You know? Yeah. And then just within a few years of us like moving and then finding deliverance ministries in our local area. And so I've been able to go through deliverance through, Um, when we were at Buffalo, one of the churches there. And that was a beautiful time as well, because they had a team of people. And that's really where my heart for deliverance, I think, began, because I really saw, I really believe that's why this new age stuff, you know, I tell my husband this all the time, but I really believe that this is what I meant for a lot of us believers to do deliverance because um, what the enemy meant for evil, you know, like that's what he wanted. He wanted me to be operating in the kingdom of darkness. I was drawn to it because I do believe that that's my assignment in the kingdom is to do deliverance and Mm -hmm. counseling. And I really believe that once when I realized what deliverance was, I was like, this is the missing piece. This is what believers need. And this is what is working. Not new age, you know, so it's it's so crazy, this journey. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because God does it the perfect way. And then everything else is like a version of, you know, it's funny because we talk about idols and I think when people think about idols, they just assume, oh, but I don't have any statues of other gods or anything, you know, but an idol is really anything that we put in God's place. So who is the healer? God is the healer, which means if we 
rely on any other source, energy, ourselves, whatever for healing, we're actually taking him out of his place, you know, or anything that we put in a place, like if we need comfort and we seek comfort elsewhere, you know, that's where things like addictions start because people seek comfort or numbing from this other source, but God is the only one that can truly give it. So it's always amazing. Like some of those things are more obvious than others, right? Like we know that people can use drugs or alcohol to drown things, but you don't necessarily think about that when it comes to stuff like some of the new age things, those things are so much more hidden. They're like hidden in plain sight. You know, you don't know the roots of it. People talk about Christianity or they talk about God, but really it's like this version and it's just when you find the real deal, you know, or experience the real thing it is, it's that aha. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there, there's so much mixture in the church and that's one of my biggest, I, I mean, I'm so grateful that I caught it in time to not continue, but in the beginning of just knowing what I did, there was so much shame attached to it that I was like, how could I have been so deceived But I'm also now like looking back, I'm grateful because now I'm like, this is why there is mixture because people like, you know, the enemy is so sneaky. It's not going to be just a sign in your face. It's so sneaky and subtle. And so um, I get it. So when I see people who are caught up in it, I get it because that was me. Mm -hmm. But that's where my, my hope is, is that they will know the truth, you know, because for a while I did not share my testimony because I'm thinking, well, that's in my past. I don't need to share it. But that was a lie from the enemy too, because now I'm realizing, no, people need to know the truth. People need to know it's a counterfeit. And so, yeah, I just really, I'm thankful for the testimony because, um, before I would, there's so much shame, you know, and the enemy thought that he had me where, don't share it. But now I'm like, people need to know the truth because now it's just so popular. It's so, you know, I see a lot of younger girls getting caught up in the new age because it's so attractive. It's so popular. And that's, it's sad because it's in the schools. It's everywhere. Oh, it's so in the schools. You know, we had a senior grad night when I was in school and, you know, they were doing tarot readings, palm readings, and they had a hypnotist all of those things at safe grad night. It's just everywhere. (laughs) And kids don't know. I mean, they really don't know. They're just like, Oh, this must be safe there. They have it here at safe grad night. You know, it's crazy how, how in your face it is these days. Like it's just everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's normal. And as you said, yeah. And as you said, there is mixture even in the churches because people don't know they're deceived. It just makes me think about how important discipleship is because with so many things, you don't know until you know, like you could be seeking after Jesus and love Jesus with all of your heart and still get caught up in something because you were deceived and you weren't taught better. Right? So yes, we overcome by the Mm -hmm. blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. And it's not just for us. We don't just overcome for us we help others overcome. We break others free. And as you said, you know, with Joseph, he takes what the enemy meant for evil. He turns it around for good, even to save the lives of many. 
I truly believe that what we are delivered from, we are anointed to be deliverers of. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So it's so awesome because you have had that experience. You don't look at it and think, oh, they're evil or they've just fallen away. You know how easy Mm -hmm. it is to be deceived. You know, you know probably what their hearts are in it and how to speak to that. And that's so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I really, you know, I live up in New England, New Hampshire, and you know, I come from the Midwest. And so when we moved up here, I realized how New England, you know, there's parts of the United States, the world in general, but I specifically up here, it's very much celebrated the new age. It's everywhere. And I remember moving here and being like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be around this stuff. And the Lord's like, this is why I have you here. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) but um, yeah, it's so like every shop you go into, they just really welcome it. I know it's everywhere, but I just feel like in certain regions, there's like pockets of just um, witchcraft and it's like heavy. Mm hmm. For sure. Different regions are definitely more open to it and it's just more prevalent, you know, but you know, it's gotten really prevalent when even in the Bible belt, you see it, you know, it's just that some areas where it's not as much of a Bible belt area, it was more accepted before. So now you're seeing that much more of it. Yes. Yeah. 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 And the cool thing is I've been able to, to share my testimony with people here and it's just really given people perspective and you know there's been many people who have been able to walk away as well praise Jesus because they didn't know and it's just one of those things that um, I think as we go on in our world literally it's it's a battle between heaven and hell and earth and just Um, People are so hungry for God's power. That's really what it is. People are looking for it because they desire it. That's part of their DNA. And so I think teaching people that there is a real, there's a counterfeit, but then there's the real. And so that's been my heart too, is just teaching people who God is, not what a man says, but what the Bible says. And so I feel like a lot of people have been able to really see, you know, learn about the prophetic. I think that's, you know, me growing up where I didn't know about it, but I was attracted to it. I think that's a lot of times where churches are missing because they don't talk about these things. Right. So that's kind of where my heart is too, is teaching the church about the prophetic and real healing and um, that God offers it. Yes. Yeah. Today. Because, yes. Because where we leave a space, there's a space for the wrong thing to fill it in. But when God comes in, there's no space for that. It it makes me think of that verse where Jesus says, you know, they cast the demons out, but the demons will come back looking. And if their house that they have been in is clean and empty, they'll come back with seven more like them. Yeah, Because there's a space. But if the Holy Spirit inhabits that space, they can't come back. It's kind of the same with healing and the prophetic and all of this. When the church fills in those gaps with what is real, there's no space for the counterfeit to come in because we know what's Mm -hmm. real and we know Mm -hmm. the real power and fire of God, you know, but when the church doesn't 
share that, doesn't fill in those gaps, doesn't teach that. You know, there's this big space that was meant to be filled because God meant for us to experience the power of his healing, his Holy Spirit, the prophetic words flowing through us. And we have a hunger for that, as you said, naturally. So we're drawn to it. We have this hunger. And when we're not being fed with what is real, we search. And it's so easy in searching to find counterfeit when the real isn't being taught, you know? So it's so important for us to do that, as you said, to fill those spaces and talk about what's real. And I kind of have a question slash maybe discussion topic, because I know that you said that when you experienced Reiki for the first time, you actually did experience relief from it. It seemed Mm -hmm. to work. And I know from my own experience with it back in the day, it was similar. You know, I felt relief. It felt like Mm -hmm. there was a release happening. So it was easy to think, oh, that must be God. But looking back, I can say I experienced temporary relief, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't real freedom. No. Is is that how you would describe it? Or, you know, what what is the difference to you between that? Because there there was a positive experience in the moment versus the real. Yeah, it was definitely not long lasting. Um, and that's why I kept going back because I wanted more to experience more. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, during the session, it was very powerful with the release of just tears and just being at peace. But yeah, I just, I kept wanting to come back for more. Like it was never ending, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like if I felt like if I didn't get a Reiki session, I was missing something. So that's what kept me wanting to come back Mm -hmm. because it wasn't long lasting. It was just a temporary satisfaction. Yeah. When I look at it, I think, you know, what I experienced, it was like that. It was like, there was a relief in the moment. There was what seemed like a connection even in the moment, you know, but a few days would go by and the same weight, the same oppression, the same hurt, Mm -hmm. the same Mm -hmm. brokenness, whatever would still be there. Yeah. You know, even in my body, it might release the tension temporarily, but it'd come right back. But in my experiences with God, when there's a release there's just a release. There's freedom. Yes. Yes. I don't go backwards. I don't continue no. feeling that oppression. Oppression. That weight is gone, you know? And there is that verse that says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the biggest thing too, is just knowing that those things are so temporary because in the, in the moment that it happened, it was wonderful, but I still struggled with the trauma when I didn't, you know, and so those things would come back. And so that's why I knew even after I repented, I was like, okay, now that I know what I know, how can I deal with this? And so that's when the Lord had opened up the deliverance. And so now just having my journey, being able to spot like different areas where when I was in the new age, it was never satisfying. Mm -hmm. It was never satisfying. And so now knowing what I know, going through inner healing, deliverance, counseling, things like that. I just remember being like, why is nobody talking about this? So yeah, Yeah. it's just, it is, it's with God. It's just, it's, it's gone. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to go put the bandaid back on over and over and over again. You're just no. free. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else you wanted to share of your story? If not, then I have one more question to ask you before we close out. But I just wanted to give you the opportunity to share anything else if there was something that you wanted to share that we haven't touched on yet. No, I think that, you know, that is everything. Okay, awesome. So I always like to ask people when they're on, if you could leave the listeners with one thought, encouragement, word of wisdom, any of those things that they can take with them from today? Like if it was just one thought that you could leave with them, what would it be? I would say, you know, for me, it was, it was the friend that, you know, if if you are someone that, you know, someone that's maybe doing something that, you know, is not right. And you're afraid to say something, be that friend because, you know, I, I know God is so good in that he would have told me in some way, shape or form, but he used my my dearest friend to be able to open my eyes, knowing that it could cost our friendship. But she saw that I was walking in a way that was de- deception and it was leading my life to death. And so I, I feel like even though this this podcast is about new age, but I just I really feel the Holy Spirit saying, if you have a friend or a family member that you're afraid to say something to them, even though you see that they're maybe not living the life, you know, ask the Lord, am I the one to say something? Because I am so grateful for this one person, my friend who was able to speak up and say something to me, because I don't know if she had not where I would be today. And I always tell her that, you know, thank you, even with the fear of knowing it could cost our friendship. And um, I'm I'm so grateful for her because um, a lot of people are living in deception. And I believe as believers, we are to edify and lift and go to one another. And so be that friend, be that person in that person's life to say something, even if you're scared if the Holy Spirit is drawing you to do it, I encourage you to do it. Yes. Yes. That's so good. And so true. Totally unrelated to new age, but I tell people that a lot when it relates to domestic abuse too, you know, Mm -hmm. I had one or two friends that were willing to tell me the truth when I was in an abusive situation. And maybe they were the only ones that even saw it. Your friend probably was the only one that really knew in that moment, actually, that could speak into it, you know, because other people around you were deceived, too. And yeah, you were blessed because it really didn't affect your friendship. In the situation I was in, the friend that spoke up, it did affect our friendship because I didn't know how to get out of the abuse at the time. Mm -hmm. But I'm so grateful to her for doing that because when I was starting to get ready she had planted a seed and I knew because she had planted that seed that I wasn't crazy. The Mm -hmm. truth speaks. And when someone speaks the truth in love and they, and you do it because you care, even if there is a falling out temporarily, that doesn't mean it will be forever. Sometimes we have to just speak the truth in love because 
you know, letting someone harm themselves is not loving. Even if they think they want to. Yeah. Yeah. And participating in it as if it wasn't happening is not the loving thing to do, even when it's hard. So that's so good. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and that thought. That's such a perfect and beautiful way to finish off today. So thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. It has been wonderful having you, Jessica, and I will talk to you all next week. Have a great week. Yeah.